Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Today, is, today, as we record this, our good friend Matt Russell has left the country because of the presidential election. <laughs> and I don't think he'll ever come. No, he's not. He, he has taken some time off, which he needs. Well-deserved break. So Marlon Lezama is here with me. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Marlon, our resident b-boy, creative, artiste, iconoclast. Poet. Poet, poet. teacher. Word arranger. Influencer. How many words can I come up with in a short amount of time, Marlon? I don't know. You Star- doing okay, by the way? I am. I'm good. You're good? I'm good. Today's a, it's good day. Today it's is a, a good, good day. day. We're it not going to do that day. one. We did the Beastie Boys, but not Ice Cube. Today's a good day. Tell them about your shoulder. Oh. <laughs> well, I was having a good day, but then, Jeff, <laughs> I got a slight tear on my shoulder because I was, uh, I had a couple of young guys go to my house to train with me yeah so you tried to and show I out forgot, like was, and i forgot that like every single one of those guys anymore. was 21 years old and i'm not 20 how old are you old. now Mormon? i'm 39 years old and when you were traveling the world with have a have a yeah how old were you i was 17 years old <laughs> just wait till seven. you're 50 dude when you're 50 <laughs> Yeah. And the problem is guys never think they, they never grow old enough to think, well, I can do that. Yeah. You know, we always think we can get down there and do it. I'm sorry. That's how, yeah. And I'll I'll bet you still showed them up. Well, the, the craziest part about it is these kids come over to train with me, but they like still see me as the guy that they first, you know, got inspired by. And like, I, oh, there's Marlon. But I don't Have tell you seen them that him I'm on not. YouTube, and you're like, yeah, you know, it's twenty. But I don't tell them that my back hurts. <laughs> like you know, like I don't tell them that. You have to graduate. You have to become like the wise. You watch the old kung fu movies. I, you know, the guy he sits there and he just you know with his Fu Manchu and he just yes. sits there and they come and they want to fight him and test him and he just speaks wisdom. He just yes. like spits mad wisdom, and then if he ever does have to fight, all he have he doesn't really ever fight. He just uses his wisdom to keep him in place. I'm just gonna hug, like I'll hold them. <laughs> yeah, but like don't say any. Like I'll what just, you need is like the safe like move that you can like, but that doesn't hurt you. I got a ton of those, yeah. but they're not impressive. <laughs> yeah, but you don't need like, to impress. I you have YouTube, John. It's because I'm Latino. And some of Latino <laughs> men, like, we just do not know how to just, like, take a round off. Yeah, see, I'm an old white man. So I'm just like, <laughs> if I had, like, if I had, like, videos of me doing what you used to do, I'd be carrying it around on my phone. It's yes. like, hey, did you see what I did back yeah. in the day? Look at this. Check this out. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Can you do it now? Well, I could, but I'm not going to. Just check this video out. Hold on, I'll send you some videos. I'll yeah. send you my collection. You yeah. know, can I airdrop you right now? You know, the funny part is that Facebook becomes a cruel thing because after a while, it just sends you reminders of oh, what yeah. you used to do. Yeah, here's your reminder like from Like seven years ago, ago, you won in France. And like now, your back hurts. Like, <laughs> it's just horrible. It's mine, horrible. mine, there's no accomplishments on mine, unfortunately. <laughs> But it does show me pictures of myself like from seven years ago, and it just screams, you used to not have gray hair. Nice. <laughs> you know. So I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk today. We're just, you know, so today is election day. We are recording this on Tuesday, November whatever, third, and it is election day. But you know what? If you are having a lot of anxiety or concern or fear or uncertainty or whatever. Come on, Charlie, bring the coffee uh, about the election day. Uh, I'll just tell you that uh, the last two weeks, Matt and I talked a lot about yeah. spiritual disciplines and yeah. how to deal with anxiety and coping mechanisms for high stress and elections. So go back and go back and listen to the last two weeks. If you need that this week, today, tomorrow, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. If it's, you know, drags out all week or whatever, it's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. Yeah. <sighs> Exhale. It's going to be okay. So I thought today what would be interesting is for, you know, us just to chat about whatever we want to chat about, but also found this fascinating article that I thought since Matt was gone and you were going to be with us and you are kind of our 
Chapelwood local creative, you know, yeah. um, just use that word creative. I love that word. Just you're a creative, you word. are a creative that we would talk about, uh, creativity in the midst of monotonous life pandemic, or maybe, maybe it's not about pandemic for you, but just get stuck in a rut. Thought yeah. you'd have a lot to add on that because I'm always looking for creativity. Yeah. But we started before we were recording, talking about the cars we used to have when we grew up. We grew were growing up. So what yes. car, what was your first car? My high school car was a 1984 you got a picture Buick Riviera. And Did it, it look was, like that? It was cream. Oh, it was, it was great. It was cream. <laughs> and uh, it, it was amazing. Uh, and it caught on fire. Are you serious? At the end Did of Did you have white life. wall tires? Yes. Do you know that people don't even know what white wall tires are anymore? Young people don't. Because young people are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think like I had those, but I don't ever remember cleaning my car. Like this is almost like you, you thought you never knew what you had until like now looking back, you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I clean that car? It would have been cool. That is a car. You, do you know I would drive that car right now? It's it's Heck a yeah. it's almost a Cadillac. It's like almost a Cadillac. It was great, and it costed me six hundred and fifty dollars. That's the great thing. It was what we paid for our cars in high school. Yeah, and I'm sure, of course, there's generation before us that said six hundred and fifty. I paid sixty five. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can I tell you what what car I saw you in? All right. So you you said that I, you envisioned the kind of car. Well, it was interesting did. because before you say that. Yeah. I grew up and starting at 14 years old, I worked on the car lot, car dealership, okay. all the way through high school and even the first couple of years of college. I even, most people don't know this, but one summer I was a used cars salesman. That, that's You're supposed to go, special. yeah, I can see that. <laughs> that's, I can see that. So anyway, so you were going to tell me, I, I've, because of that, I actually owned a lot of cars from 16 to 25 years old. So which one do you think okay. you see me in? So I can see you in, and it's going to be, it might turn awkward, like this whole day is going to be awkward between us because I think when I tell you this, you're going to be like, why would you think that? Mm -hmm. And it's going to mess with you, and you're going to wake up at 2 in the morning and be like, why would, he, why would he think that? Not, it's not going to mess with me. So there was a Mustang, right? There was the Mustangs. Mm -hmm. You were a maverick, man. A maverick man. Do you know what the maverick is? He's a maverick man. You, oh, can you be, oh, <laughs> that's, not that's not it. A maverick car? That's Ooh, a maverick right there. Ford maverick. Yes. That's kind of sick. All right, so. And it's not quite the Mustang. No, it's not. But, but you know what? Maverick. I will say you are, you are relatively within the ballpark. So if you see that picture of a Maverick. Now, it wasn't my first car, but my second car was a 1971 uh, Ford Torino. Oh, that's just showing off right there. That is a nice one. Wow. Is there a was brown one? Up? Is there a brown one up there? Yeah, the brown, like the second one. Oh, oh brown. He just wow. put it in. <laughs> brown. He just put <laughs> brown now. Like with, a hard, brown. with a hard BR. The only, all right, so brown. look at that trunk. <laughs> look at that trunk. car. I remember you, you could actually carry like seven golf bags or multiple bodies. That was like if you ran out of space. <laughs> multiple bodies. Just you, pull up one that's in nicer condition. That one's like destroyed. So you had a nice All right, so look nice at this. One? Yeah, so look at this. So the door was huge and heavy, but you see the little back yeah. glass pane window, the little yeah. triangle? It had its own little, roll, that rolled down too. Ooh. So it was open all the way. And actually, the back seat, it was one single bench seat across the front. Is that the which star Which was great seat? when you were on a date, because she could sit right in the middle. hey -o. Right next to you. Yeah, yeah, see? Single bench seat. Is that the Starsky and Hutch car? <laughs> I think it is, right? A Torino? I, you know, I don't know. I think they, it is. What Starsky and Hutch had. But I yeah, think it is. Those are memories. Did you get to pick that color? No, I didn't pick the color. Okay, because that's so, like... Now, now, let's bring it down. I don't want a silver. So now, when you, see this car, when you see this car, do you, do you <laughs> think, does that make me cool or uncool? That is 
Well, you kind of lose a point for the brown. But, I, didn't, I didn't pick the color. But it's super, it is cool. Remember, it's, I worked at a car dealership, so whatever one they had that was the cheapest one, that was the one. I, I think I paid $500 for that car, something wow. like that. Oh, that's a deal. That's so my deal. first car, look up a 1969 <laughs> VW Bug. Oh, yeah. nice. Beetle, yeah. It that's was a the, beetle. Baby blue right there, baby blue. That's the Mexican wow. taxi. All right, so that's, Mexican taxi. <laughs> that's Mexico City you, taxi. You can right make there. that joke. That's the Mexico City taxi right there. So that my very first car, I think I paid three hundred dollars. Oh my god. It had a hole on the floorboard, but it was someone had traded it in. And so I drove that car for about not quite a year, but that was my first car was a a Volts a baby it was baby blue. Wow. Well, you know, oh. we're in interesting. It's we would we you know this. We're in crazy days. the The thing about this whole pandemic, it's like everything is disrupted. We're trying to find like our place in yeah. this new normal. I don't even like to call it new normal because it's not going to last. But do you ever feel like things or like it's Groundhog Day or it's this monotony or? whether it's work or play or whatever. And maybe you don't because you're more creative spirit. But I know when it comes to just life and family, yeah. like the pandemic sort of breeds in me just this, like I'm, I'm like the hamster running on that little wheel in yeah. the cage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd, so... We've been thinking about this a lot lately, uh, my wife and I, and something that's so crazy to me is how, how fast human beings adapt to situations. And like, I don't know how long it took you to like, where you're like, man, this is real. Like, I got to take this serious. Like, this is what's going to happen. And I think it hit me in, in May. Um, and it took a long time. I think it took, that's a long time for it to hit me, I think. I don't know about you. It was fun at the beginning. It was like an adventure. It was like a sleepover. Yeah. yeah. Or going to camp. Yeah. So, and then it's like, okay, well, this is going to last longer than I thought. Well, in May, we were supposed to go to Machu Picchu for my birthday. Really? Me and my wife and I. And we were so excited. We had everything planned, everything prepaid. And I think once... They told us, you guys can't go. Nobody can go anywhere. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, like for the first time in my life, I got so claustrophobic. And like, I started like having a little panic attack about it. Like, mm. you know, not being able to leave the country, which is a crazy idea because a lot of people don't think like that. I think like that. Mm. Like as well, long you as traveled a lot, yeah. When you were young, too. and I still want to continue to travel, and I think like for me, is as long as the borders are open, everything is good. And the second that you can't leave, it freaks me out. Like I, it, it's it's so frightening to me. I think some people are the opposite. They're like, oh, everything shut down, good. I'll just stay right here. <laughs> and, and I, think, you know what I mean. And I think that's what fed me for so long. Is just like going on these adventures, meeting all these different people and finally getting to do things with my wife, like that are huge adventurous things like that, that are outside our kids. And it freaked me out. So in May, it hit me so hard. Like where I was like, oh my gosh, like we're here. Like we're here. I remember somebody said jokingly, they said your, your US passport is worthless. It's meaningless. Cause you couldn't travel to any country in the world. There was like maybe two or three Yes. Where we can, even still, a lot of them you can't travel to unless you quarantine for a period. And the U.S. passport is like the golden ticket, right? Like that's like the... Yeah, you got a blue passport. You go you anywhere yeah. in the world. And I know this because for a long time, I traveled with a Salvadorian passport hmm. and a green card. So you want to know the differences between having an American passport and another passport. Is, it's night and day. And so... Like when someone says that, it's so crazy because that's what people strive for is to get that blue passport, you know, mm. and it's so crazy. Well, you know, it was, uh, we found this, this great article, we were passing back and forth and talking about it. And it was like, how do you, how do you, you know, the thing about monotony, I have, I've, I went through a roller coaster, I'm still going through it. It's not done. But 
you know, go through there. It's like camp. It's exciting. Then I think, in, especially in Houston in June and July, we hit this huge crest of everything. It was real scary. The hospitals were yeah. full and everything was going on. And, and then you start to get depressed. Yeah. You know, it's just like we can handle anything for a short period of time, but it's hard when you don't know when it's going to end. That's, like if you tell me, John, it's going to be really hard for the next two months, but in, after that, it's going to be good. We can we can make that happen. But when you don't have a finish line, suffering without meaning, that's where despair comes from. You know, despair is meaning, is suffering minus meaning. So you just feel like you're suffering and there's no purpose to it. There's no meaning. That's when you start getting despair. And I think that's why in our society and in our culture, there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of grief and a lot of despair because people are trying to figure out what's the purpose of this. Yeah. You know? What well, just symbolism, right? Like when you go and, and you see parks and they're locked down and, and you see the, the yellow tape, you can't come into this playground, things like that. Like things that like, no, this can't be real. Like this can't be happening. Like that's what really gets to you. And I think that's what feeds you. And it's like this little bomb that goes off of like, oh my gosh, like, this is too real. Like, this is too real for me. And then you can't go to church. You can't, you know, this, these things that are supposed to feed you. And all of a sudden you just can't do it. Um, I remember there was a, I, I, last year I, w I would run, I would run at Memorial Park. And they had a conversation whether should we close down the park because people are not running with masks. Mm. Did you remember, do you remember yeah. that conversation? Yeah. And I remember I'm just like, we can't run outside. Like that was so bananas. Like that was so bananas to me. Like we're out, we're running away from each other. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're like, it was so well, bananas. Talk about context. A friend, a friend of mine was telling me, it's like, so I went back to Georgia several weeks back and <clears throat> I put my mask on to go into the restaurant like we do in Houston. And they were like, no, 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 you don't have to put that, put that away. We don't have to wear that. Grocery stores, it's recommended, but you don't have to. Yeah. You know, and so we're standing around waiting for a table around this, all this group of people. And I kind of got nervous. I was like, was nobody wearing a mask. But then a friend of mine was in California and he's, he went for a walk and he was holding his mask and there was no one near him. And like people were like coming out of places to him and said, put on your mask. <laughs> he wasn't even close to anybody. Shun. You know, so it's like the difference in between California and Georgia. California shuns you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, well, I, I, that's what I'm saying. So I think for a lot of people, this hasn't hit them yet. Like it hasn't hit them yet. And, and I think that's where like politics and everything, your friends, your family, like everyone has an opinion, you know? And then it gets to a certain point where you're just like, I give up. What do I do? Like, where, who do I follow? You know? Yeah. So, one of the things that's always fascinated me is God creates us with this beautiful gift of imagination mm. and creativity. And you find it as a, as a child when you start taking things apart because you want to know. So we deconstruct things, but we kind of want to put them back together and then there's always parts left over, right? But there's this sense of, of there's, there's two natural inclinations within humanity. And that first one is to push out and to venture out yeah. and to explore. That's why you have to baby-proof your house yeah. because they want to get into everything. They wanna see what the boundaries are. The reason a two-year-old is so overwhelmingly difficult is they're testing the boundary. They're gonna push, see how far they can go before you say, all right, that's too far. Yeah. That's, what, that's the way we're wired. And I wonder, the other part of us, this, this, that, that first part's pushing out, but the second part of our human nature is to shelter in place, is to get small, to get shut down, yeah. to lock ourselves in, to freeze up. And need, you know, both are good at times and both can lead to destruction at times. There's a tension between the two. And I thought, you know, I'd spend a little time, you as a, as a, as a creative person your whole life, thinking in terms of what can you do? How can we work in the sense of all the monotony that we find ourselves, the repetition to learn how to push out? Because I think creativity is imagination. And I think God gives us the ability to create. And that in and of itself is the ability for humans to create life yeah. in art. And in, in we create 
little little children, but we yeah. create art and it's a way that speaks to us that goes beyond that. And the first thing that this particular um, writer, Susan Peppercorn, I love that name. I don't think it's her real name. It could be, maybe <laughs> it is. I mean, it's a pseudonym. It talks about harnessing. The first thing you have to do is learn how to harness negative emotions. Mm. Now think of all the negative emotions people are manifesting in the political upheaval and the racial recalibrations and the economy and yeah. the, and just a pandemic. And I see a lot of people not harnessing the anger to use it for something good or the frustration or the, yeah. or the, the anxiety, but they let it fester up and boil up and become emotional. So in a way, the anger could be a good thing. Yeah. The anxiety could be redirected into something creative. Yeah. And yet a lot of people don't do that. Have you ever, has anger ever motivated you to be creative? I, th I think for the first time, this might be for the first time in a lot of people's lives that they are actually reflecting, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that there's some people that have had time to themselves for the first time in their lives, and it's, it kind of freaks them out, right? Um, I love what you said earlier. Uh, one, I, I'm a big fan of Pittman McGahee. Uh, and he says, God loves us so much that he allows us to know what it's like to create. Hmm. I love, like, when I first heard him say this, like, it was kind of like a mic drop moment for me because I have been fighting so long all my life just to justify being a creative, just to justify saying, I want to be an artist for the rest of my life. Mm. And it was cute when I was little, and then when I was 12, but then when I was 15, my mom was like, oh, okay, well, okay. But honey, you got to make a living. When I was 17, when I was 20, when I was 24, you know, and, but this whole time when this man said this, and, and he, he said that people that keep evolving keep playing, it's okay to keep playing. You can keep playing. And I think this time in our lives has, is, has been, it has been a weird mirror for a lot of people, right? Because for the first time in their life, they have a lot of time in their hands and, and they have a lot of times to themselves. And for the first time they realize, oh my gosh, I haven't been investing in myself, right? Mm -hmm. um, I love hanging out with myself. Uh, and that that came from traveling. That came from me being blessed enough to have traveled to different countries by myself on a plane by myself, hotels and just being around just by myself and getting to know myself. I think I think once you take a purpose away from someone or what we think purpose is, which is a job, paying bills and things like that, and, and all of a sudden we're left to ourselves it's kind of scary because there's nobody's telling us like what to do. Like, hey. Well, we've never done the work before then to really know who we are. Yeah. And so Thomas Merton says, you know, we spend our whole lives looking into a mirror, but what we really see is a shadow yeah. of ourselves, what we've created. And we can never move the shadow out of the way to really see ourselves for who we are because we're always playing a role. We're always putting on a mask. And so now I see that people have, I look at that. There's so much anger. You know, let's just take the political stuff on both sides. People yep. who are conservative or liberal, whatever. And there's all this anger, and instead of it, if instead of harnessing the anger, and somehow leading us to some creative ways to figure things out that we can live in unity, it just becomes toxic. And I just, I mean, I think. Don't you think? Passion can lead us to creativity, right? Whether it's anger or grief or sadness. I mean, what is it? Taylor Swift has made a living off of writing songs about breakups <laughs> with her boyfriend. Right. Am I right? Or am I right? John Mayer's the same way. And then they dated each other and broke up. And then they both wrote a song about each other. So it's like, money. I think that part of their, I think part of the whole Taylor Swift, John Mayer thing is to like, always be breaking up with people yeah. to find some motivation or something. I, I think a big part of it, I, I think a big part of it is that we, we put so much weight on ourselves to define success, 
right? And then we have this idea of what success is, and then we give money to that that idea, and we give a car to that idea, and and a house to that idea, um, but we don't put ourselves into that idea. Like, where do we fit into that idea? Where does the happiness part uh, come into that idea? Um, to myself, I I for some reason, and and this is just a kind of crazy thing is if you're good at what you do, money's going to come. That's how I always thought enough money will come. enough money will come. Yeah. I'm not going to be balling out of control, but I always thought like if you, if you're passionate about it and you have integrity and you're good at what you do and you master your craft, money's going to come, you're going to be okay, but just invest in yourself, invest in what you do uh, in that way, but be happy about it. Mm hmm. Like be happy, and so I think that's where the creativity part comes along. It it allows you to to fail, and to and it's okay that if you're not automatically gonna be good right away at it, right? Poetry, I love poetry because it takes a very special kind of person to tell you that poem that you wrote is a horrible poem, <laughs> right? It takes a very special kind of person to tell you that. It, people are gonna celebrate the attempt. And that's where, that's where the arts is kind of cool because people, people that are, I think most people celebrate your attempt. Mm. And I think somewhere along the way we stopped attempting because we, reality hit us, right? And, and I don't want to be seen as, as, as I don't know what I'm doing or I don't want to seem foolish or things like that. And so I think what this time has done for me it has allowed me to go back to attempting things, hmm. to attempting things that I wasn't good at and I might never be good at, but I'm going to try it, right? So I picked up Portuguese. It's taking me longer than I thought. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you, you speak Spanish, you're going to be okay. No, it's not. It, if you speak Spanish, no, they're not the same. it's not the same. It's hard. But I think, I think, to get to a point where it's a good space for you to attempt something. Well, that's that a second point she makes is engaging in an expressive outlet. And she talks about this, um, this executive that she coached who took up the ukulele. Yeah. So you're talking about learning Portuguese. And, you know, I think I've, I've seen people that have taken up baking during the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know anything about, I mean, the reason I always like poetry is because I don't know enough to like, I don't, I mean, there are most things in my life I overthink and I mm. deconstruct and I figure out I'm a systems guy. Mm -hmm. So I kind of think that way. Poetry, I don't, I don't know enough to deconstruct it. So that's good for me. So when I hear it, it just makes me feel something mm -hmm. like art. When I look at art, yeah. if I hear a good song, it just makes me feel something. I don't know if it was the right bridge at the right time mm. or the right stroke at the right, you know, I don't know all that stuff. Mm. And so I think my ignorance is bliss it's, when it comes to yeah. me experiencing poetry or art or music in that way. You have a very like, like you can get away with, and people would just be like, that guy that's what I do. When I go, when I go to the, when I go to the museum and look at the art gallery, which you can't do now, but when you do, I just look at this and I go, and I just stand there, you know, in my arms closed and, and I look and people are looking at you. They look at how you look at it and you can be thinking, yeah. man, that Arby's, that was the best sandwich I've had in like months. <laughs> and yet someone walk up to you and go, how does it, what, what feelings does this evoke? And I'm like, satisfaction. And I'm just thinking Arby's, right? Yeah. Or whatever. But you look on point. No, I mean, when we went to, I went years ago, we took a group here from Chapelwood. We went to Italy on a, on a pilgrimage. We went to Rome and we did, yeah. but went to Florence and, and you stand there and, and you're in front of the, the David, you know, that, uh, that Michelangelo or yeah. whomever, I don't even remember who was it carved. It's the big old David. Michelangelo. Uh, Michelangelo. Yeah. And I'm standing there watching this thing. I was like, you know, I have grown up seeing this thing yeah. in every textbook, yeah. in every history class or whatever art class. And I'm standing there in that moment. And I'm just thinking to myself, this thing is, I mean, in a picture of your book, it's like this big, right? Yeah. And you see people around it that you don't know. And you get there and you're like, how in the world did that dude sculpt this thing out of rock? Yeah. And I'm just thinking, how'd they move this thing in here? <laughs> Start processing yeah. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that, you know? And it's like, but I can also just appreciate that 
this is amazing. When you go in the Sistine Chapel and you see people that are brought to tears, yeah. I mean, I wasn't brought to tears, but I'm just, I'm looking at it and I'm just thinking to myself, man, the, the ornate detail and just the beauty of every little space yeah. and the thought process in that. Is, but I, but I, I think you hit that right on the head. Like how many of us appreciate, you know, uh, my mother's favorite artist is Frida Kahlo. Um, and Frida's, uh, she had the biggest collection of her work uh, was in New York. I took my mom to go see it. My mom has never seen an original piece of Frida Kahlo. Everything is some bootleg version of something, right? Mm -hmm. um, the only thing she knows about Frida is her image and her story. Um, I remember taking her to the museum and uh, the first piece, my mom's just staring at it i'm behind her she doesn't move for like 20 minutes i'm like lady we gotta go like there's still like <laughs> eight more hours of this we gotta move like you can't take forever and i i walk next to her and i kind of like look at her face and my mom is just bawling because hmm. she is in front of her hero right she can see the brush strokes she she's meeting her hero for the first time and my mother's the type that you know, she, she would tell you, like, I don't belong in a museum. Like, I, I, you know, she worked all her life. And so her being in this moment, this is not for people like her. Wow. And for her to see her hero in front of her was the most amazing thing ever. And to be honest with you, me staring at her, stare at these paintings, was the best thing ever. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes... As a creative, sometimes the best thing you can do is watch other people be creative hmm. and watch other people's work and just admire it. Yeah. Right? And I think I think And then you watch the impact that has on people you care oh, about. That's gotta be powerful. It's it, I I think yeah, I but I, I think spirituality is like that. When you bring someone and you see them come to their own or or, or, or find themselves right like my wife is at peace she loves coming to church we've been together 12 years and this is the first time she's like this is our church hmm. that is so cool to see yeah like and that's why i think sometimes appreciating admiring it's just it's just as beautiful as creating hmm. you know you got to go search for inspiration because sometimes you never you never know how inspiration is gonna gonna hit you you know a couple other things she talks about in this article is um i was not I, I, you know i don't really understand she says get into a flow state i don't even know what that means when you're so completely immersed in an activity that you lose all sense of time. Yes. All right, so explain. It's vibing out. There's this word called cipher. I need you to say cipher. Cipher? A cipher. A cipher is when you're creating, when you're creating with other groups of people and it just, things just flow out of you. Uh, energy flows out of you. Flow is when you are in the zone. So it's basically in the zone right when you're writing something when you're creating something uh i'm sure you've created a sermon where it's just your pen doesn't stop yeah i guess i just haven't thought of it i mean i have there have been i mean it, even like several weeks ago we were revisiting advent and planning and yeah. we were storyboarding and putting up together and sort of going and things when when you're there in the room and and we're all spread out, but you're seeing things put up on the board that's that the you've flow. that you've thought together, and it all starts coming together. That's the cipher, like, sacramentally, mystically, and you're like, wait a minute, all these things that we put, they're all connected to the same kind of thing, and I can deeply appreciate that. And that's and that's the flow. Like that's that's when you zone out. That's when you don't care. You're taking the other people out of this equation. It's just you and whatever you're working on, right? And then, and the cool thing about the flow or being in the zone that you know when to get out of it. Hmm. Like you're like, man, that was awesome. Somebody said that there's no finished poems. There's just poems that you walk away from. I mm -hmm. like that. I like that. Cause it just means that you can always go back to it and, and 
tweaking. See, sermons are different. I learned you write a sermon, and then you edit it, then you edit it again, then you edit it again, then you edit it again, <laughs> then you put it away, then you edit it five more times, and it's still too long <laughs> for most people. <laughs> you know, it's like a good beginning and a good ending. There's actually, there was a book written about intuition and how we interpret things and what they, they did the study on people who had colonoscopies. Mm. This is fascinating, by the way. <laughs> Just so you know, from cars to creativity to colonoscopies, colonoscopies. we got the C's going together. Gotcha. But what they did was they did, they gave people a little uh, dial hmm. and in real time they could, the experience how, from how, not necessarily good, but how, on what level of bad it was. Hmm. And what they found was if they had at the beginning or the ending bad experience, in the middle it could have been not bad at all. And then other people could have been really bad in the middle, but at the beginning and the end it was a really it was not as bad. And when they evaluated all these people, they said, Well, what was the experience like? And the people who had said, Oh, it's not that bad. They could have turned it all the way up to like 10, miserable in the middle. But if the ending and the beginning were not as that bad, hmm. that's what was indelibly etched in their mind. This is like psychological, sociological. Hmm. But if the whole experience was good, but at the end it was a bad experience, like just even that much, they would come back and say, it's a horrible experience. And so I'm always made me think about, as I write sermons, the, the middle can be really horrible, but the beginning and the ending really kind of need to be good. It's like, man, that pastor was horrible, but at the end. The end, because they walk out and they go, that was great. He brought it home at the end. So that might be helpful, you know, in your poetry, too. Hit that sure high you. note. <laughs> That's what comedians talk about, too, like on Netflix, with how you have to catch people at the beginning and at the end, the middle part. It's like doesn't matter as much. And good comedians actually do what good storytellers do and good do what good preachers are able to do where they bookend things. So mm. they take you, they introduce something that kind of catches you mm. and they resolve it at the end. So they kind of put a, a bow on it, you right. know, right. and sort of tie it all up together. At least there's thematically some tie in. I use that exact same form. I did a, an open mic for a comedy thing at the improv. My boy was a host some dude like flaked out on him he's like yo i need a i need 15 minutes from you i know you could just pull 15 minutes together it's like four hours before oh and i'm God. like i'm like yeah i'll do it man 15 minutes is a long time, <laughs> a long time. especially if you don't know what you're talking about 15 minutes is a super long time man and i was just like but i did the bookend thing I tied it from the beginning to the end. And people have, they, they, and, and it's, it's fascinating. If yeah. you can do that well, yeah. and that first and last part, have something really good that catches them, and then you tie it up, they feel like, all right, I just went on a little walk with you, and you dropped me off at a good place. Yeah. And so experiential, they walk away with a vibe. Yeah. Even if they're like, I don't know what they really said, but I felt good after it, it was done. So this one I found fascinating. How much do you spend time in nature? Mm. A psychological study looked at the impact of nature on creativity and found that spending quality time outside improves people's creative potential. And they did this assessment with 56 people who went on a hiking trip, mm. measured creative potential using word associations. 24 took the test before they went out on the hiking trip. And the other 32 took it on the fourth day. The people in the latter group, after they had already been on the hiking trip, performed much better. And they ultimately found that spending time in nature improved their creativity test scores by 50%. Hmm. Now, what do you think that's all about? <laughs> so, so one of the biggest teachers in my life has been my mom. And uh, my mom became a kind of a hippie for a while and she would tell us about energy how about how everything's connected mm -hmm. and uh so for a long time like she boycotted buying us stuff but i just thought she was just cheap but um <laughs> she had a good excuse she though. did she's like why do we need things if we could just hold each other i'm like calm down lady i need a nintendo but but um, she did, she would talk about energy. She would talk about how everything's connected, how we're connected to the trees, how, especially nature, like we're always connected. 
and uh she said you know you wake up you want a, a beautiful great day you then you wake up in that energy and and that energy is going to follow you the the universe is going to align for you um for some reason man i follow that i i follow that i i think like the energy and the connectiveness to like things there are people that are naturally outdoorsy like they're just naturally mm -hmm. outdoorsy like yeah. my kids are like my daughter's naturally outdoorsy they end up moving to colorado usually my, yeah all, all i'm serious all my friends who yeah. like just want to be outside all the time they end up in colorado you, I mean, there's a, a the Arbor, I'm going to kill this word. Arbor, Arboretum. Arboretum. Yeah. Right there on uh, at Memorial. The Arby's? Yeah. You just, Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> the Arby's. We have uh, the meats. We have the meats. But it's, it's, it's an awesome little hike. It's almost like yeah, a yeah. taste. It's like Christian Washington just went on that and was took some pictures on Instagram. It's like a fix. Yeah. You, you go and you get your fix and then you could go back to the concrete. See, that's what golf is for me, I think. I mean, there's mm. that competitive aspect to it, mm. but there's nothing better than going out and going for a walk, the exercise, and just the reason I like to walk when I play golf, even if I like push a trolley or carry my clubs, is like you're, it, you're going on a seven-mile walk through nature. Mm. You know what I mean? With a little bit of competitiveness thrown into it. Are you good at golf? Uh, depends on what day. Mm. It just depends on what day. But I do think... <clears throat> I think like when I showed you the cars that talk about bookending a podcast, when we go back to the cars, something about the convertible. So now whenever I go back to Georgia to St. Simon's Island, if I fly in and rent a car, I always want to rent a convertible. I don't want to buy a convertible because yeah. they're really not smart cars to have no. unless you live at the beach, but I'll rent one just for the week and I drive with the top down mm. and it's sort of something got me at a young age and it's just like when you're riding down the road and you can see the moon when you can see the stars when you can see the trees you just you when you live in a city and you're riding in the car or you're in your house you forget <clears throat> to to just experience that to live man i think a lot of us miss so many details because we're just so focused on tasks all the time that we're not we stop putting our hand out of the window and just flowing with the wind. You know what I mean? And we stop playing. Stop playing. We that's stop, imagination. That's you know? creativity. The reason kids are so good and so creative is they haven't lost imagination yet. The world hasn't taken it away from them yet. We haven't taken it, and it's it's us. It, you know, it's 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 our it's the people closest to you always steal that from you. Well, they tell you, it's like when you were growing up, you yeah. know, you always wanted to be a creative. You always wanted yeah. to be an artist. But what do people tell you? At some point, you're going to have to grow up. What does that mean? At some point, you're going to have to give that up. Yeah. You have to get a real job, punching a clock yeah. and doing something so you can make a living. Yeah. And so we go, okay, I guess yeah. that's, since that's what everybody else does, that's yeah. what I'll have to do. And so I think I admire you and a lot of people that are able to chase those dreams and be creative because there was something inside of you that said, okay, I hear all that, but I'm still gonna chase this. And I would, I started listening, you know, when people give you advice, it's good to pay attention who's giving <clears throat> you advice and how, how they lead their lives and how happy they are. Because if it's just... It's when your dad says, son, you better grow up and go into finance and make a living, and he's like the most miserable person And he's just like this, <laughs> like just drinking every night and just telling me it's to like, grow, yeah, grow up. up just and, like you did. Yeah, and, it's, and, I, and I think, you know, I think my son's 12, and he's, either he plays along with us really good every year, but I, I really think he still believes in Santa. Hey. And that's... That's amazing to me. Like, that's amazing to me because um, he says it like just, you know, man, getting ready for Santa. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can edit that out, right? Yeah, I can edit that out. For all our young listeners out there. Oh. <laughs> that's why I kept making noise while you were talking. Arr, arr, arr. That guy. Our demographic is between five and 12 years old. So. <laughs> But I, yeah. I mean, every like Sunday I, on the way out, they go, really love the podcast. Really love this week. <laughs> what's, what's that man talking about Santa? <laughs> no, but I, I, I love I love the idea that he's still into the holidays that much. And like he's still into it. Like he gets hyped. He gets hyped. And like my brothers are like, 
man, I, I got to keep them away from him because the second he starts going on this thing, like, here they come, like, you know. Hey, let me tell you what my mom said, and I believe this, and I've told my kids. There is everybody in my house. Santa is real. I've told people this. Santa Claus is real. And the minute you stop believing in Santa Claus is the year you stop getting presents. Mm. And so I'm just telling you, all the grown adults in my house, including me, believe in Santa Claus. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Yo. <laughs> I'm just telling you. So, but you Santa get, is real, though. You got to get your mind right. Of course he's real. <laughs> of course he's real. <laughs> yes, he is. He's coming, too, and not, not long from now. But it, I, I think... <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, man, we we have to feed ourselves. You know, it's it, it has to go beyond food and money, and and it it has to go with these experiences that you might not be good at. I always tell everyone, write a poem, paint. You know, I don't know if you've ever painted with acrylics. No. Grabbing paint is awesome, man. Like getting messy is awesome. Getting, you know, you see abstract and and you're like, man, I bet you I can do that. Try it. No. Try it. Oh, I know it's hard. Like you know, Monet. No, but but it's but it's the greatest thing. It's just it's it's just touching the paint and seeing it go on the canvas. You know, um, I, I tell people, man, you're creating something that has never existed before. You know, I think that's cool, man. I, I you know, it's it's just for you. Try it. Go, go buy a canvas. Go buy some paint. Put it on. Put it on that canvas and just watch it go on. And it is just, it is such a great feeling. Hmm. And get away from yourself. I think that's the key that I have not done. And I think it's important for all of us is how do you, uh, one of the, the, the points she makes, broaden your network. How do you move outside of all the things you typically do yeah. and try something completely different. Yeah. And sometimes I've been so busy during this season and I've been trying to take really good care of myself, yeah. but I haven't really pushed that adventure button. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I'm thinking, well, maybe it's in time that, you know, you have figure to, something man. out. But it, I mean, that's what it is. I, I think that's, it's it's about, getting away from yourself getting away from the people that will laugh at you trying to get away from yourself getting around people that will allow you to get away from yourself mm. uh, my goal in life is to drink green tea and do yoga <laughs> i i honestly think that's the secret to getting to 115 years old because i have seen some some people that that man they just got it figured out man yeah you know and, and i think i think that's key if you can allow yourself to get away from yourself and forgive yourself for being clumsy dance go dance be off beat man take a dance class take salsa take tango i i want to learn tango and we I'm, took I'm, uh, my wife stephanie and i took a dance class in college Together. in college yeah that was a long time ago <laughs> but we did we did the uh the, the polka and the salsa and the tango and the marimba marimba i don't know how did you feel uh very awkward but it, but when you're that age you don't care you, you don't just, care you do you it's like now i think that's the other thing too it's like i think the the word we can kind of end with it in today is like wherever we are now feeling constrained or constricted by all of these really heavy these heavy stuff yeah. it's like can we return to those carefree days as children where hmm. you know the backyard was the surface of the moon oh my gosh where yes. your front street was uh the daytona 500 you know where the closet in your room was the secret cave where the wild things lived. You know, I mean, if we can just as adults kind of break out of some of the rationality and the reasonability, I saw that for a little while and kind of just find some wonder and joy. I think that's deeply tied theologically to Sabbath. Yeah. Because Sabbath is all about worship, rest, and delight. Hmm. And I think that third part of delight is where we find recreation or recreation mm -hmm. <clears throat> and play. Play is not, <clears throat> I, what I've had to learn too is like going out and playing golf, that's not really play for me. 
Hmm. That becomes like something I have to accomplish. You know, I have to shoot a certain score or whatever. Hmm. There's not like play is is like there's there's no purpose to it. Yeah. When you go play in the sandbox, yeah. there's no end game. Yeah. No one wins or loses. You're yeah. building your experience. And I think that's um if we're gonna get back into the divine spark that's in us that God placed in us, we're gonna have to find uh, recapture imagination and creativity mm-hmm. and just let some of the boundaries of all the, the walls that we've constructed because everybody told us we had to do this and be this and all yeah. that, you know, we turned into robots that all look the same. And so I hope people can learn from Marlon today how to be creative. Any famous creative, anything creative to leave us with? Something creative. Um, that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of, that's like being a comedian to like make me laugh. It's like, yeah. No, I, I do want to leave everybody. Uh, I think with all the heaviness that is going on, especially with the elections and the outcome of the elections, and I think everybody's so party heavy right now, you know. Um, I, I do want to say this, man. Um, I, I think we need to go back to being human beings again, like, just respecting each other and, and connecting with each other again. I, I, I love people. I am a fan of people. Hmm. You know, I like grumpy people. I like funny people. I like, I like people that always have a joke. I like awkward people. Oh, awkward people are the best. I love awkward people. I, I, I think let's go back to, to, to loving people. And, and no matter what happens, man, I, I think respecting people you know and i hope that whatever happens i know that half of the people are going to be upset you know but i think we have family that is on that other side Mm -hmm. and we have to like love them no matter what and so i think it goes back to what we talked about earlier it's like so when you get on the other side of this and if if you're on the side that doesn't come out where you think you should there's going to be some grief and some anger how do you harness that and turn it into something creative and imaginative and positive that helps us bring each other together instead of letting it take you down some pathway that's destructive yeah that's what sets us apart to being the people God created us to be, I think, versus the people that God just is grieving over us being sometimes. I'm just going to write a 30-minute poem. 30-minute poem? 30-minute poem. Okay. But it's only going to have like 10 words in it. It's going to have long pauses. Long pauses. (laughs) Long pauses. In the the Psalms, it's Selah. (laughs) There you go. Selah. And, then, and who knows, the thing is, when you read the Psalms, you don't know how long that pause is supposed to last. For all I know, it could be like 30-minute rest, you yes. know, between. We just, we just kind of go, and you, O Lord, happy are the days, Salah, when we rest in you, Salah. And it's like, whoa, 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 Salah means stop, like, stop, take a break. We don't do that. Nice. Hey, I've enjoyed being with you today. I love being with you today. I enjoy. I... <laughs> What's better than love? He's like one up to me. I adore. Okay. I learned a lot from you today. I was man. so ecstatically I, pleased yeah. to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Marlon, and I'm praying for you. And uh, yes. thanks for sharing some of your creative heart with us. Thank you, guys. And uh, stay up, man. We got it. I'm John Stevens. I'm Marlon Lizamo. And this is Pod Have Mercy.